Do you dread tax time because you haven't saved enough for taxes? Are you totally confused and lost about your business finances? Do you worry that you'll never be able to retire or save for your kid's college education? If you bury your head in the sand because you think you'll never be a money person, I want to let you in on a huge secret. All you need to manage your private practice finances are a simple series of skills that you can learn. After all, you already did the hard work of graduating from college, becoming a therapist, and starting your private practice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm a therapist turned money coach and the creator of Money Skills for Therapists. I've helped hundreds of therapists just like you develop peace of mind about their money. I invite you to watch my free masterclass where I teach my four-step framework to get your business finances totally in order. In the masterclass, I cover the three biggest mistakes that therapists make that keep them from getting clarity on their private practice finances, the secret that most accountants don't want you to know, and why working with your mindset and emotions is essential to changing your patterns with money. This masterclass is for therapists and health practitioners who are running or about to start a private practice. It is the first step in learning about my signature course, Money Skills for Therapists. Register today with the link in the show notes to take the first step to go from money confusion, anxiety, and shame to feeling clear and empowered about your money. I look forward to supporting you. It's a twofold process for me right now since I am losing a clinician's income from one location and moving her to the second where I'm going to increase my expenses, really just looking more so at how that can happen. Perhaps if she needed to do telehealth before signing the lease, just to have that time to create the equilibrium between the offices. Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question, how can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast. So today's podcast episode is a coaching episode, which always makes me so happy. I love recording these coaching episodes. And my guest is Courtney Fields. So Courtney is a therapist in private practice. She started a small group practice a few years ago, um, specializing in high conflict and divorce, which quickly grew into a large group practice, specializing in high conflict divorce and child custody support services. And our conversation today is around this decision that she is in the process of making around expanding into a third location. So we dig into in the ideal scenario, how to make decisions around expansion and taking on a third location, or this really applies to making any kind of big investment in your business where there's kind of an outlay in advance and you need to think about, would it be worth it? But we also, of course, because it's this podcast, get into the mindset and emotional pieces of also the seasons of a business and being grounded in your decisions of when to expand or when to kind of gather together is the language that we used. So if you have a group practice or if you have a practice where you're thinking about branching out, making a big investment, maybe taking a bit of a risk up front to grow your business, this episode is for you. Enjoy. Courtney, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. It's good to see you again. It's so good to see you. So uh, Courtney, you took Money Skills for Therapists 
the pandemic. I, I was like, where are we in time? <laughs> Two years ago. Yes, very beginning. So uh, 2020. So it's been a couple years since we've worked together. So this is exciting for me because I also get to hear, you know, where you've landed since then. So tell me, what would you like to have more clarity on by the end of our conversation today? Well, when I first took your class, I was in the middle of building a group practice. Yes. And it had grown really fast before I really knew how to even assess financial health of it. So I was really winging it. I was putting the cart before the horse. I was trying to pretend I knew business, <laughs> had a business mindset, had a, I never even heard of profit first mm-hmm. before I took your class. And so it was something I had not thought about at all. I had put the mission and the services and the idea out there. It was successful. It grew really fast. But with great power comes great responsibility. And I was the only admin person. I was yes. doing all the admin, admin, I was seeing the clients to supervising and marketing and doing all those things. And so I tended to avoid the things that I did not enjoy toward the numbers. Yes. Figuring out all the numbers. So what's happened since then is that COVID did not slow us down. I think I got like a two week break to chill now. <laughs> Because the whole world was in shock. <laughs> yes, yes. And the shock wore off and, and business was booming um, because I do specialize in divorce and many of the courts shut down during that time. So we really had to help people navigate very long limbo mm. transitions. Right. And so I started hiring. I went from just myself and two other people to a year later, I was up to six therapists, went up to eight plus interns. I would stress every time payroll came around. I wasn't paying myself. I didn't know what I could pay myself. So on the surface, I really had to make my team feel really comfortable with what they were doing. But on the inside, I was very anxious (laughs) and uncertain. Kind of like parenting that way, isn't it? You have to be like, yeah, everything that's is fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, everything is fine. Dumpster fire behind you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That was my my mode. So once I got some, uh, now I'll just, I'll just chalk it all up to your brilliance with spreadsheets. Spreadsheets, I feel like really just, it was like a way to organize my brain. And so was able to answer business, like open-ended business questions with a spreadsheet. What can I afford here? If I want to pay myself, can I do that? So really started diving into the numbers and was able to, wasn't planning the timing of my second location, Mm. but I went through a personal change and had to relocate myself to a different city from where my practice, my group practice had been. So I'm like, well, now we have a second location because I'm in a different place. (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) Here I am. And couldn't put a lot of forethought into it. It just had to happen. And that's when I really realized, you know, how much more these type of services that I did was needed. There's a a great response in the second location. And now I'm in a kind of a similar situation. I have a wonderful therapist that's been with me since she was an intern And she has gotten licensed since then. She's been with me from the beginning. She's very invested and she's relocating. I see. And so now it's like third location has been thrown upon me (laughs) by her life change. Yes. Gotcha. (laughs) So each time I've, I've done this, I've had to, like I said, put the cart before the horse and just hope and pray it works out. Some of the numbers in advance, but 
you know, when you go to a different community, we work a lot with the court system and there's a lot of subjectivity to different jurisdictions. And so you don't know where you're starting. I've learned since I've opened the second So I really haven't had a chance to figure out a way to make a strategic decision to grow. And so here I am again in the same, in a similar situation. And I just wanted to kind of get some feedback on if I had had the choice to time it and choose the right location and all that, what could I do? Yeah. What kind of information would say yay or nay? Right. Yes. Yes. Cause at this point, is this location happening no matter what? It sounds like it. If I want to keep this amazing therapist. Yes. Okay. Okay. So there's, there would be a, a high cost potentially to not having this third location, which would be losing this therapist. Okay. Right. So yeah. So this is about strategic decision-making, right? Is what it is, is it's like, when do you make a move like expanding? This is an expansion move. And what information do you take into account to know if it's the right move or how to make it a good move? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. The first thing with this, Courtney, is uh, your solution, you may be happy to hear, is spreadsheets. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and it's running the numbers to understand you know, two things. First of all, what does it cost you to open a location and to run a location? This is going to be an in-person, like a, a physical office that she's going to have. And going so, to build a team. Yes. So part of her task is going to be not just clinical anymore. She's okay. basically being committed to do outreach and got you. So you're not like this third location is not going to be just her. This is going to be another hub of therapists. Okay. So the first thing to think about is looking at how much baseline, how much is it just going to cost you to get started, right? Because there's always startup costs. It's very different now with online therapy where like the startup cost is like opening your laptop up. There's your startup cost. But having an actual physical location, you know, there are um, any deposits that you need to make. There's like furnishing the space. There's decorating. There's all this front end money that goes into opening a space. Do you have a sense from your previous locations of how much it costs you to furnish like a single therapy office, let's say? Well, I am very thrifty. We also do play therapy. And Mm. um, I found it's been a wise investment to have a storage unit as I stumble upon great old fashioned wooden toy kitchens and um, (laughs) (laughs) all the good kind of vintage um, things. So just take advantage of sales when they happen knowing this concept of growing. This particular office that we have found gives you the option of furnished versus unfurnished. And so I do, I have found a way to lower the cost of furnishing by collecting over time. Great. Okay. So in some ways that's money you've already spent. Yes. Okay. So that would be the first thing that I'd want to figure out because that's kind of your lump sum upfront is I do hear that you have collected a bunch of stuff, which is great. That thrifting, I don't have that bone in my body. I wish I did. It seems very handy to have the thrifting. Yeah, bone. it has to feel like fun. It didn't always, it didn't feel like fun when my mother dragged me around as a right. child. <laughs> yes, but as an adult, you get it. These were planted. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. What I'm hearing is that is going to reduce your startup costs because you already have some of those the furniture, the toys, you might already have some of the things that you need. So the one number that I want to know is what is the rest of it going to cost? Right. And it's going to be an estimate because it's, it's kind of like construction. Like we're, we're building a cottage in our backyard right now. And it's just laughable when you throw a number at the wall, because who knows where it's going to land. You're going to have a much smaller range with an office, but you're going to think about, okay, how much does it cost to paint a space? If I know I have to paint these spaces, if I have to buy a couple chairs, what does it cost? You know, putting a certain dollar amount to give yourself at least an estimate of that initial outflow of cash. Because at the beginning, when you're starting a location, money goes out 
long before money comes back in, right? Like there's that initial push, setting it all up. And then you're set up for folks to come in and actually do sessions. That makes me think of the question of, it sounds like there needs to be a cushion. You need to have some money set aside as part of this timing decision. Yes. Uh, Yes. And so, yeah, in, in that optimal scenario, you would be setting aside that money specifically bookmarked for like new location, right? So you'd say, okay, I've run the numbers and to open a suite that has four offices, it's going to cost me about $6,000 to get carpets and furniture and that and paint it. So I'm going to start my third location startup fund in my budget. And in addition to having a couple months operating expenses set aside just for, you know, if life happens, I'm going to have the specific goal that every month I'm putting aside $500 and, you know, until I hit that goal or I'm sitting aside $800 a month. So that would be the optimal, right? Is like, you're really planning it from this really grounded place of like, okay, in November, we're going to set up this third location. And in order to make that happen and have it be no skin off our back, we are funding that goal well in advance, right? That would be like the really kind of grounded long-term view, not quite exactly where you are, but that would be you know, thinking about your fourth location and your fifth location, a way to do it so that you're not putting yourself in kind of financial stress or risk right off the bat. Yes. Yes. Right. So that would be the first thing to look up is that startup amount. But then you also have, you know, rent to pay as you go. And it's it's just taking a look at the data that you already have, Courtney. So that kind of planning is what you could do for like your fourth location and your fifth location, right? Of like really settling and being like, okay, by the end of this year, we're going to open our next location in this place. And you've thought through why that location makes sense, either because there's client demand there, or you you know that there's a, a need. That would be kind of the long view, right? But with it as it is now, you're going to not necessarily have the full runway to save all that money, but it's starting to understand how much it's going to cost you to start and then how much you're going to be able to start bringing in and kind of mapping that out and figuring out how you're going to fund this startup. So there's two sets of numbers. The one that we just talked through was the expenses, right? What's that initial startup? What's the monthly rent? How much does it add to your subscriptions, your dues and subscriptions, like your software to have that location? And then you get to do the funner part, which is start to project forward income, right? Client sessions. So the way that I'm picturing this, Courtney, and this is how I would do it. And and in the next level program after Money Skills for Therapists, Money Boss, I teach this skill because it's a really important skill, right? It's financial projection. The next thing is projecting forward reasonably how much money you're going to be making in month one, month two, month three, month four, right? Starting to map out what that road can look like. And again, it is projection. We don't know the future, but it's starting to understand even like what would need to happen for you to start to become profitable at that location. Because you might look at it and realize like, oh, I actually need three clinicians working pretty fast in order to start to cover everybody's wages and the expenses and have any money left over to pay me for running this group practice. And you should have profit as well, right? Yes. So it's running forward those numbers. Can you visualize kind of what I'm describing when I'm talking about what that would look like on a spreadsheet? I can. I actually consulted, I think around the same time I was working with you, I consulted with um, the Small Business Administration locally in Athens. So it was through the University of Georgia. And they gave me some financial projection spreadsheet. Yes, exactly. You know, one of the the issues I've had with those, though, is that, you know, I'm basing it on, okay, so this person works full time. And then in this business, it's so hard to predict what, how long it's going to take to be that full time. You know, there's so many other variables that can happen. Yep. 
And so I can get the numbers and they look great when everything's <laughs> yes. full and I'm fully, you know, I'm fully staffed, but really there's been still a lingering effect from the pandemic to get fully staffed. I totally. really saw that happen in the yes. second year difficulty hiring. It's just now started getting better. Yeah. And then this person is leaving the first location. So yes. Her place right. So that's a knows. loss. Yes. Yes. Okay. And with that, I mean, the way to offset that is to have conservative numbers and you could start to pull those conservative numbers based on, okay, in worst case scenarios before when somebody's taken a while to fill up, how long has that taken? Right. And it might be that you don't project on them being full in three months. Maybe you project on them being full in five or six months to understand for yourself, even in that kind of like baseline scenario, what needs to happen to make this profitable. So I'm not losing money on this third location Um, and really understanding like what is the minimum that needs to be happening? How many sessions need to be happening? Whether it's between two clinicians, three clinicians for what needs to be happening for me to be paying everybody's wages and paying for this location and not losing money, um, which I think is an experience you're familiar with, right? Is like, we can go the other way without realizing it when the numbers don't work. Yes. Or just not just doing it and not knowing. Yes. You know, I've definitely had, I appreciate now having this abundance mindset because the, the knowing how to run the numbers helps you have more of that mindset, but I have erred too far on the leap of faith. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Not enough. Um, yeah. And run I mean, the numbers, then take the leap of faith, not the other way around. <laughs> and and sometimes the way that people think through these scenarios is like good, better, best, you know, like what is your good? What is like, what has to happen for it to run? Cause then you can also understand it. It allows you to make informed decisions quickly. Like if you realize looking at your numbers after you map this out thoughtfully, that you need to be seeing 50 sessions a month happening out of this location to, because you're paying your therapist for those sessions. So in order to have enough to pay the expenses and have enough money to make it worth your time and some profit in the business. And you have a clinician who's like, just really not, not getting clients. And there's a lot of resources going to them. And for some reason, it's just not working. Like as hard as that can be, it does let you really understand the minimum that needs to be happening in order for this to not be like a drain on your business and, and potentially put financial stress on other parts of your business that are working, right? Because it's kind of like you make this ecosystem and if one part starts not working, it's going to be pulling the other parts, right? So having that clarity can help you make informed decisions faster rather than waiting to figure out something's really not working and you're not sure what it is. I love that you use the word ecosystem because that's a perfect analogy for what I've seen happen already Yes, with the special office in the second. And even right now, I have people that I've brought on with the expectation to reach a certain caseload number and it hasn't happened for various reasons. And so it is like, well, now I need to strengthen and take a closer look at the types of contracts that I use, Yes, yes. you know, so strengthen that area as well as the projections as well as, so it really is a, an ecosystem. I love that description that really helped comprehend. And it allows you to understand as a boss, like what are the, the, the kind of corporate language of this would be metrics. What are the metrics that you need to see from your clinicians to know that they're actually doing their job and contributing to the business and allowing the business to run and be well. And if they're not, you know, what are your steps? How do you support them? How do you address it? What language do you use to talk about it? Like, how do you lead to either support and empower them to work on the things that aren't working and get full and retain clients or, you know, convert consultations, like whatever, wherever the issue you've identified, or if it's just not a fit, what is your process 
for saying goodbye to someone and, and setting them on a path that will be a better path for them. It all works together and it all has to, to be able to have those accurate numbers. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So coming towards the end of our conversation today, what are you taking away? What would be your next steps coming out of this discussion? Okay. This is where I have to settle my brain down because I get excited about having strategies and knowing what to do and then figuring out how how to prioritize them. You know, I really think that it's a twofold process for me right now, since I am losing a clinician's income from one location and moving her to the second where I'm going to increase my expenses, really just looking more so at how that can happen simultaneously. The timing would be, it would need to be simultaneous. So even like perhaps if she needed to do telehealth mm-hmm. yes. before signing the lease, yes, just yes. to have that time to create the equilibrium between yes offices. That's something I hadn't thought of before as strategy. Yeah. Because I think sometimes, you know, our businesses can feel like forces that are pulling us along. And it's like, oh no, now I have to open a third location because I love her and I can't lose her. And and we end up making moves that actually are not strategic because the other part of it, Courtney, is thinking about your energy and your focus. Are you in a place where you're ready to like grow and support a clinician in recruiting other clinicians, training them, expanding your brand in that direction. Does that make sense for you right now? Does that make sense for the business? Or, I mean, this path that you're describing, this kind of transitional path of maybe she moves there and for a while she is on telehealth until XYZ falls into place. The money falls into place. The time and energy falls into place. You've replaced her income at the old location. And so, you know, you're not kind of taking a loss over here while you're trying to grow over there. Asking yourself, like, what needs to be in place so that I have the stability to branch out and grow again? Because with business too, there's this concept of expansion and contraction or gathering. I like gathering more, you know, as a more neutral. And so there's times when it makes sense to grow and you've positioned yourself to grow and you're like, yes, let's do this. I'm going to like, because grow grow times are tiring. (laughs) takes a lot. You know, you're putting yourself out there. You're trying things. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. You get, you interview a new clinician. They seem great. They don't take the job. Like there's roller coasters that come with that. Right. So when is a natural expansion time for you? When are you really ready to lean into expansion and take risks and do what it takes to make a location work? And when is it more of a gathering time to kind of get your ducks in a row, think it through, set a plan and then move into expansion when the time is right? That's you, because I definitely see that with all these, I mean, even just asking you about these questions, I'm obviously in a gathering time Yes, that I need to really focus my mind on that type of activities before picking out furniture. (laughs) Totally. Picking out furniture is fun. Yeah. (laughs) But we want to make sure you're furnishing a location that's set up to succeed and thrive and make your business better, not not become a, a stressor or a liability. Don't we all need less... Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And the image that comes to mind for me for that is just like getting your feet firmly on the ground, you know, like being planted before you reach. I don't know. Is there another image that is more resonant for you? Like, what do you think of when you think of this gathering space? Oh, well, when you said grounding, my mind immediately went to just like grounding techniques that we help clients with trauma. Yeah. You know, even like settling the anxiety, like getting your my own anxiety about this decision to a more manageable level. And so working on both the emotional gathering and the informational gathering at the same time. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you, Lindsay.
So in this coaching episode with Courtney, that metaphor that we ended up spending some time on of the time to expand and time to gather was really powerful kind of shift, right? I think in our businesses, it's so easy so often that it feels like business is happening to us, life is happening to us, and we're reacting, right? We're just responding to what's happening rather than us sitting down, gathering together, looking at the information and deciding when we want to grow, how we want to grow, if we want to grow, having that grounded center as we're intentionally growing our businesses, whether it's a group practice or whether it's a practice where you're expanding into courses or workshops or or making maybe that first hire. You know, these are things that sometimes an opportunity comes along and it feels like we have to jump on it. You know, our anxiety ramps up, we get kind of activated and we feel like this this is now, it's now or never. And so rarely is it actually now or never. And as Courtney came to in our discussion, there was actually this other kind of middle path that she hadn't even thought about yet around, you know, having her clinician who's moving to another city work online for a while, which means she doesn't have to make a big move at this very second and can be more intentional and thoughtful about expanding into another location in a new city. So really helpful image around that expanding and gathering. I've always liked that one. And uh, I'm glad that it, it landed here. I'm excited to hear what Courtney ends up doing. If you are enjoying the podcast, you can get more free content from me on Instagram. You can follow me at Money Nuts and Bolts. We put out practical and emotional Instagram content on there all the time about private practice finances. I've also started to do stories. I'm not really a social media person, but you might sometimes catch me in stories, hanging out in my hammock or talking to you about something. So if you'd like more from me, Money Nuts and Bolts on Instagram. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute to jump over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It is the best way for other therapists who benefit from these conversations about money and private practice and emotions and money stories and capitalism and all of it to find me. Thanks for listening.